This podcast may contain explicit language. This is the Dynasty Download Podcast. Welcome back to the Dynasty Download, the show where we prove Dynasty League fantasy is the best form there is. I'm Tom Duncan. 2018, Ethan Hamilton. And this is take two to preview week eight of the NFL 2020 slate. We tried to record an episode last night that apparently got lost after five minutes. So we're going to change things up a little bit. But before we get to that, if you would like to contact the show, have a question for us, would like us to review your trade, uh, maybe give you some advice on your team, uh, maybe long term for your fan or your dynasty league. Uh, please write the show at dynastydownload10 at gmail.com. Again, that's dynastydownload10 at gmail.com. So we had at least one game on Thursday night, and we're going to change the format of the show, partially because uh, I feel that the first take is usually the best when it comes to doing these podcasts. So if we were to try and redo the questions because we kind of already discussed things last night, I think it would feel more canned and um, confined. So since we have to redo this, it opens up an opportunity to kind of play around with the format of the show a little bit. So first off, bye weeks this week, Cardinals, Texans, the football team, and the Jaguars. But the Thursday night game, Falcons at Panthers, will just kind of give you the overview of the facts as they happen uh, an injured Calvin Ridley early on in the game, I think mid-second quarter, he was not able to return. Um, apparently, his uh, situation might be that he may or may not be back next week. They have a bye week afterward. My advice would be that maybe he probably won't play next week and then has two weeks off. Uh, limited numbers for DJ Moore, Mike Davis, Robbie Anderson, but big days for Julio Jones and Curtis Samuel. Curtis Samuel, who has a rushing touchdown, as well as a flea flicker receiving touchdown. Julio Jones, who featured early on in the game, but had six catches for 115 yards, if I remember correctly. So I guess your impressions on anything from this game and just kind of open it up, let you uh, do that, and we'll just have kind of an open discussion. Um, really my first reaction was Atlanta featuring Julio early and often, which I think they should be doing more of for the rest of the season. And then, um, for Carolina, them featuring Curtis Samuel as much as they did. Um, cause you did have a quiet night from DJ Moore and Robbie Anderson. You, you wonder if that there's more of that moving forward. So part of the impression I got from this game is the Falcons have played a lot better since, uh, they, fired their coach, even though they had another terrible loss against the Lions last week. Uh, I just think they've looked a little bit more motivated, particularly given that I think a lot of them are playing for their jobs. So the real big impressions for me were not the Falcons, who ended up having decent fantasy outputs. Matt Ryan didn't do a have a particularly great game. He does rush for a touchdown in this game, but like it wasn't a huge statistical output for it. That being said, Julio had a decent game. Uh, Todd Gurley in limited touches had a decent game. Uh, they're still pretty much locked in. I think Kelvin Ridley would have had a decent game had he not gone out. The bigger impression to me is how much Carolina in the last three weeks or so has kind of declined as fantasy assets. Uh, 
Uh, DJ Moore had that big game last week against the Lions, but most of that was pretty early when he caught two touchdowns, and he kind of faded into the second half. Robbie Anderson hasn't nearly been as dominant. Mike Davis, uh, the volume may be catching up with him, and so I think them getting Christian McCaffrey back maybe changes the energy around it, this team right now, but they're struggling, and I think it's it's quite obvious. So I'd be a little tentative when it comes to starting Panthers players. So let's move into what I always uh, deem one of my games of the week anytime it's on, Ravens-Steelers. Uh, I really always love this matchup, particularly I'm a, I've always been a semi-fan of the Steelers. I know that uh, I'm a Packer fan first, but there are a couple of other players or franchises that I really like to root for. And this is one because I, I just respect what they do. So anytime the Steelers and the Ravens get together, it's kind of one of those old school, just um, tons of physical football. What I'm going to be watching for are the quarterbacks for sure. I'm going to be seeing if uh, Lamar can get back to the MVP level um, that he was playing at last year because um, he obviously won the MVP. But And then you see if Big Ben... Um, with all the weapons that he has, the last undefeated team, um, you know he's for sure on the back nine of his career, um, just like Aaron Rodgers is. So they're, they're you're looking for them to enjoy the game, but also to take advantage of the, the opportunity that they have in front of them. So I'm looking to see who has a bigger game between Lamar and Ben for sure. I think whenever you have one of these big classic matchups, you're always looking at the quarterbacks, but more so in this one because this has been the – uh, premier division rivalry for a while and for as long as Ben has been the quarterback of the Steelers they pretty well dominated this matchup even though the Ravens have a Super Bowl in that time um, but Ben's got two and even though they've gone back and forth Lamar Jackson is I guess we thought he was going to take over the mantle as the primary quarterback or the top quarterback in this division uh, he won the MVP last year. They were 14-2. and two. You would think that he'd be favored, and he is favored at home in this game. But the Steelers are still the Steelers. Uh, they're the only undefeated team left, as you already indicated. And even though they lost Devin Bush, they had a big win against the Titans last week. I think that the Steelers have a tendency to play to whatever competition they have. And so that's why even though they got up to a big uh, lead early against the Eagles, got up to a big lead early against uh, the Titans, that they pretty well had an issue maintaining large leads. And so I wonder if Lamar Jackson, if he's you know fully healthy for them coming off of the bye week, whether he's capable of delivering a good passing out uh, fit for this for particular game. Uh, and maybe keeping them close or um, winging things from behind. Because I personally, even though the Ravens are favored in this game uh, by Vegas, I, I have to assume that the Steelers are the favorite by most people. So I guess as far as a fantasy output, I think this is still going to be a very tough, hard-nosed game. This is a very defensive game. Both of these defenses are extremely good. Uh, even though the Ravens got torched in that one national game, I think not enough people give them credit. And they just traded for Ngakwe from uh, the uh, Vikings, who I think he had like five sacks in five games with Minnesota. So he's extremely good. I just wonder 
if this comes down to a who has the ball late situation. So I think this is an extremely entertaining game, and I think it could go either way. Uh, all right, the next one up we had was Vikings and Packers. Again, in the freewheeling style, uh, the Packers have gone one way since week one. The Vikings have gone the complete other. I think the Packers are 5-1, and 6-1, and one, something like that, and the Vikings are like 1-6. and six. So I guess what are you looking for in this particular game? I think this one's going to be over quickly. Um, I don't really think the Vikings stand much of a chance. Um, they have two rookie cornerbacks, a seventh-round pick, and two undrafted free agents. Um making up their cornerback room. Um, so I look to see 12 have a pretty big game. We know Aaron Jones isn't playing, uh, so I just think he's going to have that much more freedom to air it out. I think Devontae's going to have a big game. Um, but I think this one is over pretty early. I think most people in the media narrative would agree with you. I've seen a lot of people basically um, saying this one is not going to be close. I tend to go the other way, and I'm much more of a nervous Nelly fan, so take it for what it's worth, that I think this game might be a lot closer than people count it to be, uh, just simply because I think the Vikings are pesky, not because their defense is going to stop the Packers' offense. But with uh, potentially inclement weather moving in on this game, the fact that the Packers still don't know who is going to be kicking all of their uh place kicks in this particular game uh, with Mason Crosby possibly uh, being injured, um, not being able to play in this this game, and the fact that Aaron Jones is still out. I think it adds up to a little bit more concern, but the Vikings defense, they're going to be without one of their rookie cornerbacks who is on the, uh, I think, COVID list. Uh, I, they just traded their best pass rusher. I just, I think there's a quality when you're playing a division opponent sometimes, though, that they keep the game a lot closer than you think they might, and I don't know if this is going to be a replay of week one. So with all of that being said, I, I look for uh, there to be big games out of the running backs. I think that even though we have high matchups for the wide receivers, given the weather and the winds and the potential rain that may happen in this game, that uh, all of the wide receiver fantasy outputs might be a little less than we think they might be. That being said, Devontae Adams is probably going to carve up that Vikings defense. And uh, I look for Adam Thielen to be a little bit lower than normal just because I have him on my nay list. I think he's going to end up getting shadowed by Jair Alexander, who's turned into one of the best shadow corners in the uh, entire NFL. Justin Jefferson might end up being the beneficiary of that. But I, I would say the biggest two fantasy outputs are likely to be Jamal Williams and Dalvin Cook in this game. You ready to move to Colts at Lions? Let's get it. So the Colts are coming off of their bye week. The Lions are coming off of an emotional last-second win against the Falcons. I think uh, Michael Pittman Jr. just got cleared off of the IR list. He may or may not be active for this one, which is an interesting tidbit to throw into the middle of it. But I guess what is, if anything, the storyline you're looking for in this game? Um, I think it comes down to the running backs. You have two um, very good rookie running backs, and you think that um, Jamal – or Jamal – Jonathan Taylor is going to have a, um, a, you feel like he'd have a coming out party against this 
um, not very good Detroit defense. Um, they give up the fifth most points to running backs. Um, but then you um, got to think if um, Detroit is finally going to start taking the training wheels off of DeAndre Swift a little bit more as well. Um, he had a really big week two weeks ago. Um, pretty decent week last week, but you can tell that they're still have him on a pitch count as much as um, Jonathan Taylor is on a pitch count. So um, for me, I'm looking to see if they actually let these two rookie running backs break out and be um, the players that they have the potential to be. I saw early in the week you dropped Indianapolis's defense. What went into the decision-making on that? Um, I just feel, one, I don't want to hold two defenses. And two, I think they have a lot of tough offenses that they're going to be coming up against within the next couple of weeks. Um, they got a like five or six game stretch where they're going up against some pretty tough offenses. Um, so for me, I know they're pretty good, decent defense, but I'd much rather stream a defense um, if I have to every couple of weeks than have to trust them to stop some of these best offenses in the league. I don't know if I have a great impression or a great feel on this particular game. I think this is um, this can go in a lot of different ways, and it, it, there's no real great through-line narrative as far as I'm concerned. I would expect, if we're ever going to see it out of Jonathan Taylor, now that the Colts are out of their bye week, that this has got to be it. But I really don't know what to expect out of the Lions uh, after their big emotional win last week. I, they they haven't put up a huge number of fantasy points. DeAndre Swift had one big game. He's had a couple of other marginal games, and he's clearly the passing down back. Although I don't expect the Colts to be ahead by a huge amount and come back. Um, they put up some big points a couple of weeks ago against the Bengals, but that was out of necessity. I don't think that their predilection is going to be toward throwing the ball and putting. Uh, the game on Philip Rivers' shoulders because you and I have discussed it many times. He's very limited. So, you know, what a, what are we going to get out of this one? This could be an any given Sunday game. All right. Uh, Patriots at Bills. I think the biggest narrative out of this game is after six Super Bowls, 20 years of Tom Brady, the Patriots winning the division, I think, 19 out of 20 years. Uh, the Bills have, were favored going into the season to win the division. They're two games ahead. I think they're five and two currently. The Bill or the Patriots, I think, are uh, three and three, three and four, something like that. And this is meant to be the passing of the torch game. The Bills are at home. You may see the final nail in the the Patriots' coffin uh, after really two just terrible performances uh, at home against the Denver Broncos and the uh, San Francisco 49ers, where they got really crushed last week against San Francisco. I guess, A, given that the Bills have underperformed the last couple of weeks, do you expect any of them to rebound? And B, uh, I guess... Do we expect to see any life out of the Patriots that would indicate this is going to be a close game? I think for the Patriots, I'll answer B first. I think for the Patriots, I think they're kind of done. You watch them and you don't see much life out of them. It, it, you can tell this is new. Um, it's a new experience. So I don't really expect too much from the Patriots moving forward. Um, with the Bills, you, you have to expect that they bounce back for this one for the reason for the exact reasons I said that the Patriots aren't all that good. They're going up against a defeated team. 
Um, they know that they haven't played very well these last couple of weeks, but I guess if they stay the norm, then we know who the Bills really, really are. So I think this is kind of like a prove-it game for them to show, like, are they the Bills of the first couple weeks or are they the Bills of the, the last couple weeks? Because this New England team is not very good. I would definitely agree that uh, New England is lacking in clear talent. Uh, They have a lot of guys that were really great on their defense last year that are sitting out due to COVID or left in free agency. So they're not nearly the defense they were last season. The offense is clearly lacking talent. Even with Cam Newton, they're they're pretty limited on the uh, amount of things that they can do. This team needs an injection of younger talent to kind of rebuild. But I have a hard time because of how many times we've tried to count out the Patriots in the last 10 years, just writing them off completely because I think every time we do, they have this, um, we're going to go balls to the wall mentality and uh, we're going to show you type of situation. So I think the Bills, if they're going to do something, they're going to really have to make a statement and prove to everybody that they're the clear class of this division and that the Patriots are going to be second best from now on, at least you know while they're uh, in the first part of Josh Allen's career. Uh, Titans and Bengals, we had two big performances out of the top wide receivers for each team last week, A.J. Brown and Tyler Boyd. Uh, Ryan Tannehill is going against Joey Burrow, and this game might be extremely back and forth. Neither defense has been particularly good this season. I see a ton of fantasy points out of this game, but what are you looking for? Um, For this game, I'm looking to see how Joe Burrow um, plays against this Tennessee Titan defense, a very, very good defense. We've seen Joe... uh, grow over these last couple of weeks, uh, especially bounce back from the awful game that he had two, three weeks ago um, against Baltimore. Um, so I'm I'm looking to see him play against another pretty decent uh, defense to see um, if he can repeat what he did last week. Um, so that's what I'm looking for in this game. I think the Bengals have clearly found their franchise quarterback. There is nothing that indicates to me that Joe Burrow is anything less than a capable franchise elite quarterback at some point. You just need to really uh, restructure the offensive line, give him a little bit more depth at maybe the running back position, the tight end position, and then obviously rebuild that defense. But they've got the number one building block that is so difficult to find in their quarterback, and they have some capable wide receivers. As a fantasy asset, you have to be incredibly encouraged by what you've seen out of him so far, and the wide receiver talent is um, gross in this game. You have multiple guys that were all top 10 picks. You have guys that have been uh, huge fantasy scorers all over the field. And I look for uh, Derrick Henry, who's leading the league in rushing, to be the biggest factor in this game. But for Tennessee, that's really trying to push for uh, playoff positioning, trying to uh, win their division over the Colts, uh, now that Houston and Jacksonville have basically fallen flat. Uh, whether or not they can kind of circle the wagons on their defense that has been clearly letting them down. So if uh, if you're picking against uh, the Bengals in this one, I think the spread is six and a half. I'd be 
encouraged to take the points because the Titans have this, um, other than that weird game against the Bills that was on like a Tuesday night, they just have this tendency to be in close games and come down to field goals that they've been missing. So this is one where I might see a potential upset brewing, but it's uh, clearly a great fantasy matchup. Raiders at Browns is also another game I look to for a ton of points. Uh, Apparently there may be some additional inclement weather in Cleveland projected for this weekend. We have two of the top uh, 10 running backs in this game, Josh Jacobs and Kareem Hunt, both uh, dealing with certain injuries were a little bit questionable during the week. Apparently they will both be healthy and playing. We have quarterbacks who have kind of underperformed uh, at different points in their seasons, but these are two teams that you would project possibly making the playoffs or making a playoff push from the ASC. What are you looking for in this particular game as far as fantasy and otherwise? Just that. I mean, for me, um, these are two teams that are, yeah, they're right there on the threshold of, um, are they going to be a playoff team? Are they going to be a good football team or are they still kind of sitting in limbo? Um, and then you said for fantasy implication, it is the running backs. Um, I have heard, yeah, that uh, weather's not going to be that great. So you expect that there's going to be a lot more um, running of the football. And you see if Josh Jacobs actually breaks out. He's fantasy wise, he's been having a pretty decent year. Um, but real like football wise, he's not doing as great. Um, he's got 3.4 yards per carry, which is in the bottom five of the league. And then on the other side for Kareem Hunt, the Raiders are giving up 32 points per game to running back committees. So, um, you're going to see if Josh Jacobs, I guess, can keep up with Kareem Hunt. I do see this one being kind of a grind, grinded out game, especially if there's a little bit of uh, moisture, um, in the weather forecast. So it'd be interesting to see which of these guys performs. I think Kareem Hunt is possibly the more uh, talented player, and uh, Jacobs has really fallen flat in his yards per carry, as you already mentioned. His biggest games so far have been when he had three touchdowns in week one and he had two touchdowns against Kansas City in that upset uh, the Raiders had a couple of weeks back. So if he can possibly get into the end zone a couple of times, he might have a big fantasy day. I don't think that the Browns' defense played all that well last week against uh, the Bengals. So they have the ability to give up some points. It's just a matter of how this game is going to be structured. That being said, uh, Baker Mayfield has played actually oddly better when Odell Beckham has been out of the lineup. That's been a huge tagline this week, but it's kind of hard to ignore how much better he seems to play when he's out there. And I don't think there's a marquee receiver or pass catcher on the field other than Darren Waller for either team right now. I know some people might say Jarvis Landry. I don't with how little production he's had uh, the last couple of years or a year and a half in Cleveland. So, I would look for this to be a uh, ground ground and pound type of game, maybe a few field goals, but uh, a lot of running the football and uh, a lot of carries for both of these backs. I expect them both to have decent games. Yeah, I mean, that's a good point about Jarvis Landry, too. Like, a couple, wasn't last year, but the year before when he had just gotten to Cleveland, like, he had some really big breakout games, and he was amazing with Miami, too, and He's kind of just fallen off. So, yeah, I guess you kind of want to see if he can pick up um, where Odell kind of dropped off. But, yeah, he's kind of been a forgotten guy these last couple of, of years. 
So let's go to Chiefs and uh, the Jets. Uh, the Jets go out to Kansas City for this game. The Le'Veon Bell potential revenge game. Basically, the Jets are one of the worst teams in the history of the league, uh, particularly on offense. So I don't think there's anything interesting from the Jets' perspective um, for this game. The real perspective to me is how many touches Le'Veon Bell ends up getting and how quickly this game might be over. Um, I think it's over pretty quickly, relatively quickly. Um, and I think Le'Veon gets all the touches and opportunities that um, you could expect for him to get. Um, Andy Reid, he's a player's coach. He knows how much this game means to Le'Veon. And Le'Veon wants to go out there and show the Jets organization that it it, it was you. It wasn't me. Uh, so I expect Le'Veon to have a big game. And I expect him to have a lot of opportunities uh, rushing and receiving. Again, like I said on our first take of this, it's like when you break up with somebody and your new girlfriend exactly knows that they have to be like fawning over you the whole evening and proving how much better you have it after the breakup. I expect Le'Veon Bell to possibly have a ton of carries in this game. Not that they're going to ignore CEH, but this game might be over early enough that the Chiefs can basically do whatever they want in the second half. And so they're probably going to try and figure out how they're going to use Le'Veon Bell, what he's capable of, and get him some real game action uh, so that uh, they see what they have for the rest of the season, given that we're at about the halfway mark. Uh, Rams and Dolphins. Tua Tagovailoa is making his first start in this game. Um, we have a Rams team coming off of a short week against the Bears in a very physical matchup going across country to Miami. Is there anything in particular in this game that you're looking at or looking for? Because this is a kind of toss-up mentality to me uh, from what I'm seeing. Um, there's a couple of things that I'm interested in. One, um, how well Tua does, um, how he handles the pressure. This is his first start against a pretty um, pretty 